how many of you like to fish? You like to fish. How many, how many of you fish more than four or five times a year? May, may I see your hand? How many catch something every time you go fishing? How many of you watched other people in the boat catch fish and you caught nothing? That's right. Sharon and I could go fishing a few times that we have gone, and she catches fish. I catch nothing. I have asked her how she holds her mouth, no special way. I've seen her have her hook baited, and she catches fish. It's just unbelievable. And she'll say, hey, that's not the only talent that I have that's better than yours. But she can catch fish. This is an exciting story about the miracles of God. I'm glad you came today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you came. Go ahead. I'm glad you came. All right. Let's put our hands together and welcome that awesome online audience out there. Here we go. This is a great Sunday. If you came and said, you know what, I'm a little battle weary, I'm a little bit maybe discouraged, or I'm, I'm sitting on ready, I just need get up and go instructions, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Luke 5, say Luke 5, Luke 5, the Gospel of Luke, here we go. We're talking about the second miracle of Jesus. Now, the first miracle was when he turned the water into, into grape juice, he did, into wine, turned the water into wine. And we know that's the very first miracle. Now, he had 12 disciples, but this is where he's calling his first disciples in our text. Luke 5, it is in fact Peter and Andrew, and then James and what? What's his name? John. Peter and Andrew, James and John. They don't know yet, but they're about to receive an invitation to join the team, the initial team, of Jesus in his ministry for the next three years. Now, they're in the fishing business. They're in the northern part of Israel, up there where the Sea of Galilee is. The Scripture will say the Sea of Tiberias. There were other names that that body of water was in fact given. And we know that they make their living, these four guys, they make their living catching fish. Now, we know they've been out all night, and we know that they caught zero. They caught nothing. Now, many of us can relate to that. They've given it their best shot, used their best lure, fished in their notable holes, and for 10 hours, they came up with nothing. Most of us can do that, fish and come up with nothing. Their nets are empty. And then Jesus, it's morning now, and Jesus moseys along, he's walking, and, and there's a crowd already following him. Why? Because they know he did a miracle. They know that, man, that was such a dramatic miracle. We want to see if he does another. Not to mention, he's a great teacher. He's a great deliverer of the truth. And he speaks in a way that really impacts the hearts of those listening. So, so he comes along, and here we go. Here's the text in Luke 5, 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the Word of God, he saw at the water's edge, how many boats? Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. 
He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that's Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, if you can use your imagination with me this morning in this story, he's attracting the crowds. He's already performed the miracle, and they are fascinated by it. Jesus looks, there's two boats, he gets into one, and he says, hey, push this away from the shore a little bit. Why did he do that? Because on the water, out from the shore, the water amplifies his voice. He's teaching toward the shore, but if he'd stood on the shore, the ground would in in fact uh, inhibited his sound from me, or his voice from making the kind of sound that it needed. It served as a, a sound barrier. And so he, he's going to ask them, these four guys, you watch what I'm telling you, he's going to ask these four guys, but so far you would never guess what Jesus is about to do. Now, he's about to perform another miracle, and they don't know it. And you'll understand the magnitude of this miracle. Here we go, Luke 5, verse 4. When Jesus had finished speaking or preaching, he said to Simon, you launch out into the deep water, let the nets down. Now, here's two things. First, he said, let me in the boat. Let's push away from shore a little bit. All right, he sat, he taught, he preached, crowd has moved. Then he says to Peter, now launch on out as we're studying into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Well, Simon answered, notice this, Master, we worked hard all night, and we haven't caught a thing. We've caught nothing. I've done everything that I know to do as a professional fisherman, and I've caught caught nothing. And yet you tell me to launch out again. Sometimes this happens in my life, in your life, as individuals living life. Sometimes uh, you give it your best shot. You've spared nothing from trying to bring the harvest of of the seeds that you've planted. You've studied. You passed the test. You got the degree. You you feel the right position, and you keep saying, but how come I'm not getting the resolve? How come I'm not getting the result? Why is it that my harvest in great form and fashion is coming in? You see, or you might find yourself midlife. You say, here I am, midlife. And he's the job that I have, I'm looking forward to retirement in about 20 or 25 years, but the job I've got right now is not going to take me there. And you might even come to the place that say what maybe you've already said, what's the use? Say that with me. What's the use? Let's say it again. What's the use? How you doing, balcony? Can I hear you say, what's the use? Here you go, balcony only. Thank you. You three right up there didn't say one word. (laughs) What's the use? What's the use? What's the use? You can show a little attitude with that. You know what I'm saying? What's the use? You know, everything we've done, what's the use? Doesn't matter. Well, let me say, you're prepared for an exam, you students. You say, I've studied and studied. I'm ready for the exam. And when the exam comes, it looks like it came from somebody from Mars. You thought, this is not the same exam. There's no way this, this, this is not the same thing. This is not what I studied. You're right. It's not what you studied. It's what you should have studied. Or you say, I'm doing my job. Great. I'm, I'm getting all the marks. Just got a raise before COVID hit. And guess who they lay off? Why me, God? 
Why me? And then they give me a supplement and expect me to be happy. This miracle right here that we're talking about has a lot it's going to teach us about things. Sometimes in life we fish for approval. Try, try this on for size. You see, we're out there fishing for approval trying to find somebody just to accept us. To think that we are somebody. Sometimes we're fishing for respect. And it's, sometimes we have no respect among our peers. It happened to Jesus in his own hometown. They had no respect for him and his teaching and his miracles. Sometimes we're fishing for security or, in fact, significance. You want your life to count. So-and-so over there, he's not nearly as hardworking as you are, and he seems to be getting all the attention. Some of you, you're fishing for, for a spouse. No one comes your way. You know, you say, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm fishing for somebody to come into my life. Maybe God's already sent you two or three, and you, you rejected them. Pay attention, friend. Sometimes you're fishing for a new means of income. So we're trying to get a bigger house, and I, I, need a, I need a little more income here. You see, this message just tells us what to do when we come up empty. And we come up empty sometimes a lot. In other words, when you've been fishing all night and you don't see any results, what do you do? And I'm glad that you ask. These four points that I'm going to share with you happen to be these four professional fishermen they did what Jesus told them to do out of a simple act of obedience. So here's our text. After Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, I'll launch into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to what? Break. So they signaled their partners, which would be James and John, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Have you ever had a fishing story like that? Have you ever had a fishing story that says, I had a miracle fishing experience? You see, here's what happens. Jesus can do more in 10 minutes than they did in 10 hours. Let me say it again. Jesus can do more in 10 minutes than you can do in 10 hours. What does that mean? Don't lose the faith. Don't give up. Don't back up. Don't become weary in well-doing. Don't let others run your life. You keep your faith just really lit up in Jesus' name and say, God, any day now you can turn on the faucet and more will happen in 10 minutes than has happened for me in 10 hours. Somebody say a great big amen. What do I call that? It's the miracle of acceleration. I mean, when Jesus moves, he moves fast, my friend. When we understand the principle of the miracle of acceleration, you don't worry about timing. God said it's time, bam, it happens. There it is. Show's over already. See, in this period of time in their lives, they were used to fishing and doing the routine way that you fish. Okay, you throw the net out and you might, you might catch a few fish. No, Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. And I'm going to tell you why he did it. Launch out into the deep and throw your nets out there. What makes the difference between working all night and coming up with empty on your own and having so much blessing in your life that you're sinking from it? Too much blessing? Is there such a thing? Well, you know what the Bible says? 
Matthew says, according to your faith, what does it say? Say it again. According to your faith. Let's read it together. Here we go. According to your faith, it will be done. Okay, well, we got it according to your faith. Now, so we have to, all right, how's my faith? I'm believing in the miracle of acceleration. I believe, hey, I'm, I'm coming through COVID and I've been whipped around, beat up. And matter of fact, I survived. Some of you survived COVID. You think, wow, it was tough. But where are you at today? Are you sharp? Are you ready? Are you instantaneous with God? Is your life filled with let's get up, let's, let's make it happen? I'm going to give you four points why this miracle took place. Number one, here it is. Give Jesus complete access to your life. What does that mean? Here we go. Luke 5, 3. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Starting point, you have to get Jesus in your boat. Come on. You have to get Jesus in your boat. You can't, I, I, you're not welcome today. I'm going out where, you know, uh, it's a little dangerous. Do you know Jesus said, hey, I want to be in your boat, but you got to give him the invitation. Come on and get in my boat. That's the starting point. That makes the difference between emptiness and fullness. Jesus is in your boat. Well, I'll tell you what, it looks like the boat's beginning to sink. Did you remember what I said about the accelerated miracle? It may get real close to sinking. Jesus, my friend, can speak the word, and that baby will buoy right back up according to his divine will. You cannot lose with him. He made the total difference. Jesus is the game changer. Now, Jesus is with them, and, and they're not fishing now by themselves anymore. They're, they're not into their career anymore. They, they're into Jesus. Jesus is on the job. Now, here's a question I want to ask some of you. Think about where you are now when you came into the church, how you've been performing, what you've been going through. Here's the question. Who's in your boat? Who is in your boat? Pity, mourning, pining. Who's in your boat? Who's in your boat? Who's in your boat? Somebody is. Who's in your boat? Your boat, my friend, in this message is your life. It's what you're doing. It's how you're responding right now. It's your means of support. If you have a business, let Jesus be in your boat, in that business, career, and vocationally. Let Jesus be in the midst of that. It means that, that you have Jesus on the job, not just on Sundays. Jesus is in my boat on Sunday, and Jesus is in my boat on Monday, and Jesus is in my boat on Tuesday, and Jesus is in my boat on Wednesday. He's in Thursday. He's in Friday. He's in Saturday. He's in Sunday. Jesus is in my boat to stay. What does that mean? You can't say, well, you know, Jesus is Saturday. I've got a few things I'd kind of like to do that I don't want you to know about. So if you don't mind, if you could get out of the boat, I'd appreciate it. I mean, you need a little siesta over there. I mean, I appreciate Monday through Friday, but if you don't mind, get out of the boat. You know what Jesus said? You don't want me out of the boat. You don't want me out of the boat. I want in your boat, and I want to stay there, but I'm only there because you welcome me there. You've trusted 
God with your salvation. You've trusted Jesus with your salvation. Why shouldn't we trust Him every single day with our lives? Often here's what happens. We say, God, when I become successful, I've got everything like I want it, when everything is perfect, just like I want it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to invite you in. Everything's ready now when it's all ready. Here, I heard someone say the other day, I'm going to get married there. I don't know if pushing 40 or whatever the case. I want to get married when, whenever, and they got, got a beautiful woman, girlfriend, etc. I'm going to get married when everything is right. Let me give you a late news bulletin, my friend. If you are waiting to get married when everything is right, the the only thing that'll make everything right is you out of the plan and letting somebody else get in. It will never, ever be right. But we're going to start serving God and going to church on a regular basis when we get the time. Hello? I don't know that I want to go every Sunday. Ooh, Lord have mercy. You just wait till the next thing happens in your life and see how quickly you'll run to the good old rock of ages. And say, I not only want Jesus in the boat, I want the Holy Ghost in the boat, and I want God the Father in the boat, and I want some angels in there. I need everybody you got down here in this boat. Y'all talk to me. He's in my boat. That's what I want. I want him in my boat, in my tithing, in my tithing. Someone said to me, Pastor, you know there's some people that, that came and, and they left because you talk about tithing? Sorry. It's right there in the book. You know what? It, I, and I don't put it as forfully sometimes as Malachi puts it. But if you want God in your boat, you better give up that 10% that already belongs to him. You see, you see, we, we understand Sharon and I, we, we tied our whole life. We tied before we ever got married. But we tied. The pastoring churches, we've always been in a building program or an expansion program. And when you're the pastor, you have to do the lead giving. We got to the place that we could put a few dollars back. You know, we gave it to the building program. As a matter of fact, we gave when we didn't have a few dollars back. And we just watched the way God answered our prayer. And we don't regret one minute of it. Not one minute. Because it feels really good when you know, God, if I got a real big old need, you ain't going to let my boat sink. Number two, admit that your efforts aren't working. Admit your efforts are not working. That's number two. When Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, put the, water, put the water out in the deep, let your nets down for the catch. Simon Peter answered, Lord, we worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. That had to be hard for Peter to say. Here's a professional fisherman. He's not an amateur. He's fished this lake many times. He makes his living fishing, and it's humbling for him to say, we caught nothing. There's sometimes in our life, situations in our life, where we aren't in control. Hello? We're not in control of the economy. We're not in control of the weather. We're not in control of the COVID. We're not in control of all the processes. And sometimes when Jesus is in the boat, you might say, well, how come it's not happening, Pastor, like you said? Well, let me give you three things. Sometime, even when Jesus is in your boat, why it doesn't happen. Are you ready? I know you are. Here we go. Number one, pride. How many know someone has pride? May I see your hand? That's right. Some of you had too much pride to raise your hand. I don't want to admit my imperfections because of pride. I don't want anyone to think I can't handle it. 
If it's up to me and I'm in charge, I will not admit my failure. Pride. I'd be ashamed if that happened. Number two, stubbornness. For those of you that raise your hand on pride, we got your own stubbornness. Right here, stubbornness. Stubbornness is when I'm unwilling to change the way that I'm doing it. Don't you try to tell me what to do differently. I've been doing this my whole life. Oh, is that right? Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it is what I say. Well, let me say this. You might get your camera out and get ready to take a shot. Number one, the greatest enemy of tomorrow's success is yesterday's success. I'm going to keep doing it the same way I've done it. And number two, yesterday's success will keep you from success today. Why? Sometimes tradition is your enemy. Do you know the world is changing? Do you know that COVID-19 COVID, COVID has changed the way many people will do business from now on, and it won't go back like it used to be? Do you hear me? It won't go back like it used to be. So what do you have to do? You have to adapt to the change. You have to say, God, here's what I know. I, I'm stubborn, but I want to be sure. You see, the Holy Spirit is fluid, friend. The Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you if you're careful. Here's another fear. This is the third one, fear. First one was pride. Second one, stubbornness. And the third one is fear. Fear keeps me from admitting I caught nothing. I'm afraid maybe to get Jesus in my boat because he might steer me where I don't want to go. I'm afraid to get Jesus in the boat because he might steer me to a place that embarrasses me. Some people might think I'm a fanatic if Jesus is in the boat all the time. After all, religion is a private affair. It can be, but let me tell you, a relationship with Jesus is not a private affair. He said, you take your candle out from under the bushel and you hold it on a hill so it can be seen by all. Your relationship matters to Jesus. Here's number three. I gave you pride. I gave you stubbornness. I gave you fear that keeps Jesus from doing what he wants to do even in the boat. But here, number three, God turns emptiness into fullness when I obey whatever Jesus tells me to do. When I obey. Now, you may not believe this, but, but everything that Sharon tells me, I do it. How many believe that? Raise your hand. How many find it hard to believe? Thanks, Sharon, for raising your hand. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, stay with me now. But we're talking about your miracles. God turns emptiness into fullness when I obey whatever Jesus tells me to do. I must be willing to do whatever he tells me to do even if it doesn't make sense, if it's illogical, if it appears foolish or stupid to other people, and it doesn't make sense financially, logically, or rationally. Some people don't understand why you tithe. That makes no sense to them. You see, God does not think the way that we think. And if we think we're going to box God in, then all you're ever going to have left over is a bunch of boxes, my friend. Luke 5, Jesus told them, you launch out into the deep. Master, Peter said, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, period. But now read with me the latter part. 
but because you say so, I will let down the nets. There it is. But because you say so. My Lord, but because you say so. Pride, get in the garbage can. Stubbornness, get in the garbage can. Fear, get in the garbage can. Because he said so. I'm going to do what he said so that the flow moves into my boat. Jesus is not only in the boat, he's giving fishing instructions now. Notice what Peter does not do, which was contrary to Peter's nature. He doesn't argue with Jesus. He doesn't say, uh, uh, excuse me, Lord, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. You know wood. I know fish. He doesn't argue and say hesitantly, let's discuss this. Let's have a round table and invite James and John over and Andrew and Jesus. Let's have a round table discussion. He doesn't say we're all tired and we've been out all night. He doesn't delay. He doesn't listen to his feelings. What does Peter do? Now listen, this little point is the Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now is the hang-up from some of you listening in this room and online why the flow of multiplication has not come into your boat. What has Jesus told you to do that you have not done? What is it? about your life. Got any steps four, five, and six? Jesus said, no, not until you, not until you do steps one, two, and three. You do steps one, two, and three, then I'll give you four, five, and six. Until then, nothing. God might say, I want you to forgive a person and stop holding a grudge. God says, hey, that's what I told you to do. You haven't done it. God said, I told you to witness to a coworker about my love for you and love for them, but you, you haven't done it. God may have told you, you need to be water baptized, but you know where you're at, old pride is there and stubbornness, and that's kept you out of the thing. Well, I was baptized when I was a little baby or when I was a little boy, and you know what? You didn't understand what you were doing at all. It's time to get another dip. Why? We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed. <clears throat> Disobedience always hurts you. Disobedience never hurts God. But disobedience causes you to miss God's blessing in your life. And when you do what God tells you, and you say, because you say so. That's it. Because you say so. You become a person poised to be used mightily with God. And when God gets ready, he will tell us what to do. 
He will tell us how to do it, and He'll tell us when to do it. And because He always does things differently, He wants to be certain we do it His way so that we don't get the glory. We get enough glory. Did you know that? He wants to be certain that He gets the glory. He wants to be certain that you understand and everybody out there understands, hey, look at old Peter, look at Andrew, John, my Lord, how mercy. The nets are breaking. No, they heard Jesus say, go on out there into the deep, boys, put your nets out there and watch what happens. I heard him say that. And now the miracle is taking place. We know the story without faith, it is nearly impossible to please God. You know what it says? No? What's it say? Without faith it is what? Impossible to please God. And here's why many Christians like a little comfortable life. They, they, they like baby Christianity swimming around the shore. Little boats that just meander around the shore. Don't rock the boat too much. Only thing they ever catch are minnows. And that's good for them. A little dabble do you. A little bit of church. If I feel like it, I will. Don't, don't push me to sacrifice. Don't, don't make me sweat. Don't make me do something that's illogical to me. Don't, pastor, don't you press me now. I promise you, I will escape. I can't take it. One day, one day soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. You're going to wish pray. God, I wish I'd have been raw about my relationship with you. I wish that I would have pulled back all the barriers and jumped wholeheartedly and head first in. Finally, expect Jesus to turn things around. Say that with me. Expect Jesus to turn things around. And when God tells you to go fishing and he comes along with you, in the boat, he points out where you let your nets down, boy, right over there in the deep. And do you think if he tells you that, he's going to let you come up empty? I don't think so. I don't think so. Peter was quivering with anticipation, fear, fatigue, frustration. That wasn't it. He had the man in the boat who just told him exactly what to do. And he said, if he can perform the miracle of turning water into wine, and he's in my boat, and he tells me to go out there, I don't care how tired I am, we're going to go out there and drop these nets, baby. Paul said, that's what you ought to do, 1 Thessalonians 5, 24. The one who calls you is completely dependable. The one who speaks to you is dependable. The one who encourages you is dependable. The one that challenges you, independable. Get your baby diaper off and put on some running shorts and get ready to get out there where the miracles are. Come on, somebody. Take off your jeans rolled up just below your knee and walk around. Put on a bathing suit and go for it, my friend. Behind that action is more powerful, more anointing than you could ever imagine. Now, let me say this. Whatever challenge you're going through right now, God knows every detail to it. And if he wanted to deliver you out of it and he wanted to change it, he could. But if he doesn't, until then, remain faithful to the power of God in your life.
watch what he'll do. Watch what he will do. Watch what he will do. We know that God can control the forces of nature. Well, how do you think it happened? I think God spoke to the fish and said, all right, big fish, come on over here where I just took the boys, told them to put their nets down, and you fish, y'all crawl in the net. Matter of fact, I want to see how many of y'all can get in the net. Pastor, are you nuts? I am. But that's exactly what happened. Amen. They didn't have any throw backs. It said the big fish got in. And so here's what happened. Luke 5, 6, and 7. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners to the other boat, you come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Don't worry about it, Peter. You're not going to sink because I want that bounty brought to shore so everybody can see what abundance looks like out of obedience. I want you to see it. God is looking for people in churches today. I like this term, who are blessable. Say that with me, blessable. Say it again, blessable. Are you blessable? Are you carrying a little hacking attitude? Is your spirit just not in flow perfectly with God? Are you letting some other things to get in your way that, that you find yourself just ruffled all the time? You know what God has said? Humble yourself and get blessable. Be obedient instantly in what you need to do. He's looking for people like you and me that through his power, he says, I can use you. I can bless you. And the supernatural power flows. Now, here's what happened. This person that would be a hard sell, who had an attitude, who was smelly and stinky, his name was Peter, says when this happened, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee's, Simon's partner. Here is Jesus, hardly known by Peter. And Peter, this staunch, hard-headed, stubborn, prideful, smelly fisherman is on his knees looking up to Jesus and said, I am a sinful man. I am unworthy of being in your presence or having you in my boat. And then Jesus enlightened Peter. Peter, you're done catching fish. You're going to catch men. His whole life, his occupation, his calling totally changed. And let me show you something else. They left their boats and left their nets just like that and walked away. And walked away. 
That's how we know they were totally committed. Call your mom and tell her to come down here and get the boat. No, they left. I'm here to tell you, we are poised as a nation. We are poised as a church and every church that's being obedient and doing your best to get this gospel out. Listen, we're unworthy. We're unworthy, but I'm telling you what, the call of God is without repentance. And if we get him in the boat and we're willing to admit that we have failed and we're willing to say, I'm, I'm ready to do it a different way than you, then God, I believe me, you're going to bring it to pass. Amen. Doesn't matter how old you are, whether you can walk straight or walk straight up. Doesn't matter if you walk with a limp. Doesn't matter if your mind is half gone. You got hair and nowhere hair. If God is speaking to you with a willing heart, then you pay attention to him. Number one, who's in your boat? Number Number two, what are you doing about what he's told you already to do? And are you willing to do it? Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Can we do that right now? Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for every person right now who listen. I pray for all those online, be thousands before this week is out. I pray for every person in this room. Holy Spirit of God, you are in this house. You are doing a work like a strategic surgeon on our hearts. You are speaking words of hope, words of challenge, words of admonition. And God, we feel and sense that conviction, which is the love of God, is hovering over us and in us right now. And God, we feel guilty as Jesus did, falling down at your feet and saying we're unworthy. And yet hearing you not even address that, but to simply tell us what our next ministry would be. Some here, God, they, we just need to pray for forgiveness. So we're going to do that. And some at home right now, they're feeling the tension of conviction. But it's about to be gone because we're about to wipe the slate clean by this prayer of repentance. Let it be so. Everybody, let's repeat this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. I ask you to forgive me. I have misbehaved. I have erred in my life. I've been a bad boy. And I need forgiveness. Lord God, I have complained with the position I'm in now. But I'm asking you, I'm asking you to, forgive me. to forgive me. I'm asking you to get in the boat where I'm at. And if you're there, I will make it by the grace of God. I don't know what will happen in the future, but I know it will be good if I am obedient to you. Now, here's my hand, God. You take it. I will follow no matter what. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. One more time, really, let's give it up for the Lord Jesus, can we? Let me encourage you. If you prayed that prayer, if in your heart of hearts you said, God, I let some things go this morning, we're asking you to maybe write it on a card, one of the commitment cards. If you're watching online, go online and say, hey, 
I prayed a prayer. I need, I need someone to pray with me. You say, I don't need anybody. Well, you didn't get enough dipping then. Because you got to get rid of that pride. But when you get to the place that you understand that Jesus is all you have and he's all you need, there'll be less of you and more of him. Amen. And if you have a testimony that you haven't shared as small as it might be, I'm here to tell you, God is up to something if we let him get in the boat and flow. So I pray you'll be praying and pray for, for our kids club. Pray that God will help us. Pray for this Wednesday night. Pray that God will drive, drive back COVID. I speak death to it in the name of the Lord. And I believe and declare by the grace of God. Now I know that some of you are out of town. I know that some of you, my friend, are at the beach or in the mountains or wherever it is, doesn't matter. You let God speak to you through this message today. Now, we often say, you know, hug necks and shake hands. Do not hug necks. Do not shake hands. Why? We just want to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Amen. Isn't that right? I don't care what you say, Pastor. I'm going to hug. There you go. That pride, P-R-I-D-E, slip on down here. Believe in an orderly fashion. Don't let the law enforcement officer out there say the car that's white with rubber tires on it about ran me over. Do you know how many white cars are out there in that parking lot? A lot. So smile, have a good day, and we can get ready to go by the grace of God right after you say this. I love you, Pastor. Bless you, everybody. I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of